Here, yes, sir. I've always been told that Kabbalah is Jewish mysticism. How does that mesh the idea that Hashem says mysticism and divination are forbidden? Okay. Well, the question is that um, heard about Kabbalah, which this gentleman um, is is identifying as sort of Jewish mysticism. And um, how does that comport with, how is that consistent with the prohibitions we find in Deuteronomy chapter 18, which tell us that, you know, all sort of witchcraft and speaking to the dead and all that is forbidden. It is absolutely forbidden to any child, any child of God, it means any human being, is absolutely forbidden to go. Now, I think 99% of it is hokey but it's absolutely forbidden to do that. Tarot cards, absolutely forbidden. If you have a Ouija board, throw it out the window. It's absolutely forbidden. Okay. What, okay, so, so I, I think you probably are guessing the answer. The answer is Kabbalah has nothing to do with mysticism, and it, it's simply become a, somehow this, it just, so the word Kabbalah, Kabbalah means that which has been received and thus passed on. There's, there's nothing mysterious about the word. <laughs> to, to Kabbalah means that which is passed on. The, there's a lot of great works of mysticism, of, of, of Kabbalah, which is again called mysticism, which makes it very intriguing and interesting, but no one calls it that. Um, Kabbalah means what that which has been received. The Zohar is um, one of the great works that's part of that body of literature, which is a commentary on the Torah. And what it seeks to do is to to bring together uh, two ideas that seem incompatible. I remember years ago, it wasn't that long ago, I was lecturing in Philadelphia, and, um, and uh, I don't know, so... I came to the left, so they said, you know, why don't you come early? There's a big concert, the Philadelphia Philharmonic Orchestra, what is that, whatever, the big thing, the symphony, symphony is playing. You could tell I'm really into this, and I'm a real, right? You could, you know, like I know Beethoven, like backwards, okay, good. You, I just want to make sure you can pick this up, too. <laughs> so, <coughs> so uh, and this was like one of the big machers, like one of the big people who like give a lot of money. So they get these seats like right in the front and they get let in before the crowd gets let in. Okay. And it's a semi-open, uh, what is it the building called? Uh, whatever, a theater. Like half of it's closed and the other, in the middle, like, I don't know. For 10,000 people, who knows? But I came there with him, and I was the big knocker, and I was there like 45 minutes before they opened the door for the whole public. So if, you, if, if, you're, if you're a musician or you know, I'll tell you what goes, on before, what goes on before they let the public in, that everybody is tuning up their instruments, obviously, I, I presumably based on the piano and whatever, you know, because that they can't start, I guess, I'm guessing. And then everyone is... The violin, and he's again. The cello guy is doing this, and the harp lady is doing this, and the penis is flutzing up and down, and it's just a cacophony of absolute noise. And you're just watching, and you're watching and say, "Wow, these are like the some of the greatest musicians in the world." 
and you're just really interested. But it's just noise, and uh, just noise. And everyone's doing their thing. I guess it's a warm-up. Who knows? Is it a warm-up? That's what they're doing, but just noise. And everybody's able to, I guess, tune everybody else out. And I'm watching this, I'm going, wow, this is so cool, you know? Okay. But So I hear this. I hear the... You know, the violinist doing something and and the trumpet, duh, 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 like, what does that have to do with this? And then finally, they, so I, the crowd comes in and I'm there in the front like a big knocker. It's like in first class. The best part of first class is not the seat, it's that you get on first and then you watch the peasants come on afterwards. <laughs> That's the thing. And you make like, oh, of course I'm like this. Like, you're like this and I'm up there. You have a Wall Street Journal and you look over the top. Oh, you're not it. That's the reason. That's what first class is about, not this. So then, finally, they introduce the conductor and the, the violinist, soloist, whatever, some lady from, I don't know, Korea, who's some, well, she must be a big macher in the violin, comes in. Again, I don't know, they're playing Tchaikovsky's 80th thing and symphony, whatever. Whatever. Now, the key point is that the moment the conductor goes there and then taps and it goes like this, and then the music was just wow. And, and then I suddenly hear, oh, there's that violin thing I heard. I see how now it fits with, and there's the trumpet part that that guy was playing. And, oh, and there's that little, that little riff, or whatever they call it, with the, with the, with the, with the, with the harp. So I, I, I saw how the music all came together. It seemed just like a lot of noise, but what they were doing was rehearsing, each doing their own piece. But then when I finally the show began, I realized what I was encountering was now a symphony of ec- ecstatic music rather than a cacophony of, of just noise. And that's what can happen when reading Tanakh. If you don't have the background, you just open it up and start reading. You're going, I don't know, you know, this sounds like a trumpet, this thing, like, why is this here? What's this passage doing here? What Kabbalistic literature does is they take what appears to be on the surface superficially to be things that are just just completely disconnected. What is Yehuda doing? He Tamar marries his first two children. They die. She then dresses up like a prostitute. He then is with her. She, like, what does it have to do with anything? I mean, it's an embarrassing story in the world. How did it ever get into the Torah? And why is it in Torah? A whole chapter thirty-eight on this. And how did it get in there? And who? Why would a guy sleep with his own daughter-in-law? Why would he? She dress like a prostitute. This is the craziest story in the whole world. It really sounds like. And, and if it is, shut up and don't talk about it. It's a family secret. Take it to your grave. Don't put it in the Bible. Like, keep that one out. That one definitely, like, if we had a vote, okay, do we do, Judah slept with a woman who she thought, you know, she, he thought he was a prostitute, but turned out it was his daughter-in-law. In or out. Like, everyone would go, out, that's out, that's out, that's out, that's out. You know, Lot sleeping with his, you know, Lot, you know, his two daughters, you know, seducing, you know, getting his, her father drunk. Naming your kids Amomo. In, out, out. Let's get that out. Get that out. Okay. The point is, that's what... Now, of course, the, the, uh, the, the you, know, ge, um, you know, Genesis 6 and 7 is, is fascinating. There's a lot of fascinating thing. Abraham, you know, of course, who doesn't love Abraham? But there's a lot of this what appears to be noise. 
What is the connection? What, what is the connection between Joseph being sold by the brothers and Judah just going down and marrying a Canaanite? So there's what the Zohar is. The Zohar is the symphony. So when you step into the Zohar, it means that now you're seeing how all the music fits together. And in fact, this musical concept is so important, it's ensconced all over Scripture. In fact, Moses, a blessed memory, our great teacher, said that these words should be like, like a song that you never forget. They remain to you like a song. And that's why King David spoke about instruments and how many strings they had, because it is music. And, and, and it is something... Our sages tell us that uh, uh, they didn't have at the time, 2,000 years ago, the octave system that we have today. But we know that, you know, if you have a, a C and an E and a G together, then you, you've, it's three different sounds, but together you have that C major, which is just much more interesting than three Cs on three different octaves. It is, and that's what the Zohar does. The Zohar produces the C major, takes the C, the E and the G. Three sounds, which if I played them separately, I don't know if they belong together. I have no idea. But the Zohar says, put them together. We're going to make some harmony together. Let's make some music together. However, if you don't know how to pick up a violin and which fret to press, which string to press down and exactly where to press it and how to hold your bow, then I don't care what you do, you'll never be able to even produce that one sound, let alone produce two sounds holding down two strings and, and rolling two together and producing a harmony at once. So therefore, one would never attempt to go to that level of the, of the Zohar, of Kabbalah, unless you already understand how to just make sounds, how to just make a tone out of one of the most difficult instruments to master. So there is nothing mysterious about Zohar, but it is, it would be the equivalent of saying um, you're studying surgery. Well, if you're, if you're doing your seven years of surgery, that means if you walked into the University of Texas Medical School here, I mean, you got... I don't know, um, how many, what are you, two medical schools? In Houston, I'm not sure how many have in this city alone. But uh, if you walked into a class in, in the surgery level, you wouldn't know what they're talking about. Why? Because there is a presumption that you've already done your pre-med, that you've already done, you know, done med, you've done your four years of medical school, you understand, and you were selected for surgery, you know, and so on, which isn't easy always to get into, and so on. Therefore, the, the Zohar HaKadosh presupposes that you know all that, you've got all that. But if you don't, it's going to be very mysterious. Got it? But there's nothing, there's no, this, this is not woo-woo Judaism. Okay, that's the key point. Okay, but there are, to be, so be very careful. Very careful with Kabbalah groups and people who purport to teach Kabbalah. Very few people know what they're talking about. They have a few little truths, and much of it is nonsense. And they exploit people's interest in anything that's, you know, you know, people we study it, typically we would not be studying this body of literature until we're about 40 years old. 
generally speaking, but it's not mysticism. And what is forbidden in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and other parts of the Bible has, you know, has nothing at all to do with this. That's divination, speaking to the dead and so on. That is forbidden to any person to do that. The Torah does not say it's hokey. The Torah just says, stay away from it. It's not for me.